fill the opening chock full of jokes. Mm. But we don't. We never do. No. Sometimes we do. Sometimes. But not usually. <laughs> but not usually. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes when people yawn, they yeah. sound like a Homestar Runner character. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. I know. I know, Jake. Sometimes. <laughs> Nick likes it. I do. I like it a lot. Do you want to? We could. Do you want to? Are we talking about Pokemon Go? Has anyone here even played that? I I did just to be grouchy about it, but I, <laughs> I loaded it up. All right. Well, we don't have to talk. I, about I followed a kid who was playing it and took pictures of him. Oh, we'll talk about <laughs> oh, that. Fuck, shut up. <laughs> what? <laughs> God, why All are right. we saying anything? Good job, everyone. It's July 14th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 271. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Isn't it gross that it's July 14th, 2016? It is gross. Yeah. You mean just because of the... The passage of time. Oh, like, yeah. Just in man, general. Okay. That's so yeah, it's funny that gross. you would say that this week because literally as I was walking over here, so we just moved um, offices to, to a new part of town. We're in uh, downtown San Francisco now um, in what's called Soma, which is south of Market, which is like um, a lot of uh, sort of office buildings and new residential high rises and um, commercial stuff. And and the baseball stadium. And the our beautiful baseball stadium. That's true. And as I was... Pokestops, uh, <laughs> poker gyms. I'm sure there are those. <laughs> and uh, and as I was getting off the, the, the train, to, like the metro, to get to here, I... I had this just like sudden realization. I was looking out into just the downtown and I noticed like, oh my God, there's so many um, like glass and like glass and steel high rises of a very particular type, like very new high rise construction style. Where the glass is weird colors. Yeah. Mm. And they're swoopy and, you know, rounded instead of, and I, I, it made me remember growing up. So growing up, I was familiar with, cities like New York and San Francisco, which were places I had lived. Um, and that was my idea of an American city. And the skyscrapers in those cities are very kind of staid and 20th century and stately, you know, like they're, you know, a lot of stone. And when there's they space are, between the windows is what <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, That's and when they are glass state, and steel, stately there's like, space, <laughs> true. State, distinction. State, stately space. Yeah. Um, when they are glass and steel, they're often like very hard 90 degree angles at, you know, just uh, square or rectangular shapes. Yeah. And uh, and I remember, uh, you know, seeing pictures of Asian cities, you know, particularly places like Taipei and Seoul and, you know, these sort of like uh, explosively growing metropolis the new and, ones yeah the new ones and i'm like oh these are like new looking cities and the cities that i know are like old right. looking cities and then i just realized suddenly today like you're in one wait of this has just happened yeah. this is just and it, yeah and it and i i didn't notice as it was happening and suddenly i'm just like oh my god yeah like, once you once you cross market street and leave the financial district it's just like glass yeah, but, but but even then like it's only been in the last decade that those have popped up to the degree that they are yeah you like know, that the, jasper yeah, like that Jasper. There's a, there's a high-rise residential building called the Jasper. So, Nick, I hope you're I think I've seen that filing one. your application. I think I've seen soon. that a couple times driving in here. Yeah. yeah. And it just it made me reflect. I assume that you're a millionaire now. <laughs> <laughs> it made me reflect on the fact that, like, 
the future just sort of suddenly appear like it doesn't i mean it like happens so slowly it's like the frog boiling in water i know it's a very facile observation but i literally just like 20 minutes ago was like wow this city that i was born in that i know really well suddenly is just Okay, actually so, different than yeah. my entire conception. I've noticed this maybe more because I drive in from Oakland mm, often, yeah. so I mm, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I end up seeing them uh, appear around me. Yeah. I've uh, yeah. But also it just applies to literally everything in life now. Like our just our entire life and world is just like, oh shit, we're in the future. In ways good and also completely horrible. Oh, is this and you? Is this I'm you gonna, segueing into? I'm going to bite on this like huge segue <laughs> that's just appeared. Okay, go for it. A wild segue. A, lure. a wild, a wild segue has appeared. <laughs> a wild seg, and I'm going to take it. Uh, man, Pokemon Go is a weird ass thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so <laughs> is it? Is it weird, Nick? Oh, it's so weird. Okay, how how weird is it? Uh, Are you now like setting me up to ask that? You, can, I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Um, so I went to uh, an actual gym the other day, <laughs> and which is not a poke gym. What gym? On the the stupid game that people are playing. Uh, just the YMCA. Uh-huh. So the, uh, as old as you can get, right. as old and crusty as you can get. Right, classic um, gym. Yeah, and I was I was in the gym, and uh, the sort of machines that I'm using are facing. Um, like a, a, a bank of glass that look out onto the street. Uh-huh. And as I was working out over the course of like 20 minutes, I, w- I was watching all of these people walk by and all of them were staring at their phones and I was thinking to myself, okay, probably some of these people are doing work or whatever, but most of these people, I'm going to guess, on a, it was like, ugh, like one o'clock on a Wednesday and they're all kids and I'm like, oh right. God, they're all, they're all, sucked into this game aren't they and so i i noted this one kid You're i was like, like the guy in soylent green yeah <laughs> so, all, oh my god yeah oh it's so weird it's pokemon so, so there was this one kid that i noticed and he walked back and forth like three different times and so i just picked up his you know i just realized these like okay gym customers or i don't understand there's people on no, the no, street outside, outside the window oh, yeah you oh, missed, oh, you missed sorry. the part okay, where i'm, okay, I'm okay, looking okay, out okay yeah okay, out okay, of the street. sorry sorry <clears throat> excuse me for 20 minutes so and I, I sort yeah. of like recognized this kid and i was like okay He's walked back and forth two or three times. Either he got something from the store for his mother or he's, you know, on the way to his whatever cur- extracurricular activities or he's just hunting for Pokemon. But I'm going to remember this kid. And so he had this backpack on, which looks like the backpack you wear in the game. And I leave the gym. And, of course, that kid is, like, right there. And I just started to follow him. And I followed him basically all the way to my apartment but then, like, I couldn't get uh-huh. a good view of his phone. And so I didn't know if I was just following this guy as just a weird, creepy guy. Or and The if, answer to that is yes. Well, yes. The answer to that is 100% yeah, you, yes. You were about to say if I was following him as a creepy guy or what you meant was and. Or. <laughs> and, and also. And also you were doing. <laughs> and I was I was verifying that he was playing the game. And, of course, of course, like, I, we got to my block. And, of course, while I was following him, I had the So just coincidentally that he was going to your home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was totally coincidental. I was following him the whole way. And I, <laughs> I pulled up the game just to see if there were any Pokemon on the route. And there weren't. And so he got to my stop, and he just had this most, like, exasperated expression on his face. And he just went, like, ugh. And I could just see as he dropped his arm to the side that that the game was pulled up on the thing. And I was, like. (laughs) Zero Pokemon found this entire time. Oh, 
God. says the game. So you well, you followed a kid from the gym back to your house. Yes, kids, play this game. Yeah, it's it's Nick, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really weird, Nick. All the crazy stuff Pokemon Go is making people do. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's it's a strange thing. It, I do find it just sort of. I had a really harsh reaction to it initially. I guess I've softened a little bit on it, but I also I just I don't really know what to make of it. It's really it's a really strange phenomenon because I have just seen multiple people wandering around just completely. So and the, and the the sort of like I don't know PR angle that people are picking up on is that this is a game that like allows people to or like you know encourages people to go outside and, and like enjoy life and it does do that though I was kept awake by a bunch of kids out in the park across the street from my house uh, the first two days that game came out because they were all there's a uh, poke stop right there so yeah it, 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 kids, it, it kids physically, socializing deep into the night <laughs> it physically no good. gets them into the wild but they're also just now completely sucked into their phones where they're, like, getting hit by cars and stuff. So, like, what? how is this okay. any better? Okay. How is it better than them just being in their house where they're not, like, being obstruction <laughs> to people who are actually enjoying the outside? Okay. Oh, I don't know. Oh, man. All that outside that you enjoy. <laughs> I sometimes enjoy the outside. Maybe you should play a little Pokemon, Nick. <laughs> I did play it. See I, the world. I did play it a little bit. You only I did it. to spy on that kid. Well, I did that, and then I, on the way here in a cab, I was like, I wonder, mm. if I, I wonder if I can game this. I wonder if I can actually just exploit this game. And you can. You can just drive around and pick up Pokemon and catch them in the wild in your cab driver's ear. I feel ear. like your thesis <laughs> might might be uh, might be a little bit off. The thing that it, that you're declaring is broken might not be Pokemon Go. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> the only component of this that bothers me because I, I think the going outside and sort of I don't know. I've read you know things from people who literally just like met people and had yeah, conversations and stuff. And that's really someone's cool. already been married mm. because of Pokemon Go. I bet <laughs> Probably. for like twenty years now. <laughs> the only it's part beautiful. of it that bothers me is when like the Holocaust Museum and Arlington National oh, Cemetery yeah. and stuff have to issue statements that are like, please stop just like swarming our establishments looking for Pokemon. Like that's not what this is for. Yeah, that's that's clearly the the result of this game just being a raw data dump from uh Ingress. Was that the name of the It would be nice if they would pick some of those out and then put actual outdoor spaces that don't have civic architecture into the game. Because I yeah. think right now if you live in super rural areas or if you just go like out into the middle of nowhere, there's not any Pokemon, which is too bad. Yeah. I want I want people Nick to go and find like I'm sick of people finding bodies sort of in mm. you know in urban <laughs> mm. areas. I want people to go find the deep bodies. Go and maybe find, maybe right. become bodies out of the right, middle of the right. woods. More like yeah. weirder killed bodies out in rural areas. Yeah, I areas. want I want uh, sparser but more interesting. True Detective season three yeah. is uh, two kids gothic murders. <laughs> two kids playing <laughs> Pokemon Go go out into the woods and find some weird strings with like. You know, dream catchers spinning on them and sort of like hipstery antler shit. And then, have you guys seen that cool Pokestop? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I want. Or like the legendary Pokestop that all the kids talk about that everyone just, ah, that doesn't doesn't exist. The the one of the one that I really do enjoy is that the White House is a gym. So mm. there's apparently like a battle in Washington D.C. for who controls the White House. Right. I, I enjoy that quite a lot. Like uh, really early you, on, you don't have to get inside the White House. No, you can do no, it from outside. Really, yeah, really early on, I think. God, a I'm bl- sure the, the secret. Oh yeah, they're pleased. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go inside. Yeah, like it, it, you could just the tourist accessible areas within proximity to do battle over that. Although people initially obviously joked that like the Blastoise or whatever it was that showed up was clearly Obama's. That like he was just like. <laughs> right. Im- but uh, yeah, there was an article 
on Kotaku about just the battle amongst DC people for the White House Poké Gym, and I like that a lot. You don't have to go inside. You don't. Have, it would be good if it was only accessible on the tour. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> this is not speculation that we usually bother with. But what do you guys think? Oh, the, I the think time frame on on like right now we're like it's out trafficking more active users than Twitter, more traffic than porn sites. Oh yeah, the, I give it the about fad, a month. The fat element is this will, the, like the fallout we'll, shelter we'll curve. And, yeah, but except that, but I think this game will retain a large robust audience for a long time because even this even Niant- the developer Niantic's previous uh, sort of iteration of this Ingress still has like an active user community and that was a game that had no kind of brand yeah. awareness or yeah, you know, I, marketing I think support are, of this type yeah. behind with, it. With a, with a bump this <clears throat> big at the start it's going to have a yeah. large community forever it's just not going to be in the zeitgeist the way that it is right now. Right. You're not right. going to watch a delivery man walk by and you think he's scanning a package but he's actually playing Pokemon which is what happened right. to me uh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you'll get the people who would normally play this kind of game continuing to play it, and then the people who just, oh, I remember Pokemon, and then they go, oh, this is the fun new app, and then right. they try, they're trying it out right. right now and feeling like part of I the thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it has a, if it has a, um, uh, a curve similar to something like Foursquare. Because it's very. I, was, I said words a, with friends earlier in the week, but yeah, simple, something, something four, like that. Foursquare, yeah. it like, is very much Foursquare already. That, that's what I mean. It's got that same like you're collecting stuff by going to unique different. You become places the mayor of your favorite like, coffee shop by yeah, go, by exactly. And and, and, and yeah. some people have speculated, and I I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if at all if this were true, that this game may eventually look to sort of partner with commercial businesses to incentivize. Foot traffic oh man! To... If they get like a Yelp style ad team, it's like, well, if you want our Pokestop package, it's right, this. Yeah. If you want our gym package, exactly. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, because there are already businesses that are literally doing that. There are already businesses. Yeah. Like, it's common now for lo- now, as though this is going to going on for longer than like a week. But uh, it's you know stealing it's... glass skyscrapers, Pokestops. <laughs> it's common for <laughs> local businesses to buy to like put down lures at their businesses, just like spend the in-game currency. And just refresh them when needed, and then foot traffic just pours in. And obviously, that level of just instant like gravitational pull will no longer. Obviously, no nothing would be is going to be able to sustain like spending two dollars on a fake thing, and like dozens and dozens and dozens of people just instantly streaming into your store. Like that's not going to continue. But I think there will be probably still a robust user base for a long time. Sweet. Well, Pokemon Go. Also, you could take wacky pictures of the Pokemon near you. <laughs> anyway, uh, you want to talk about Inside? Oh, yeah. The new Play Dead game. Nick, you haven't... Have you played any of this game? I haven't. Jake, I know you've played the whole thing. I beat it. Quite, quite a thing. I also have. I also did that. I did not complete Limbo. I got... Uh, so this is by Playdead, which is the, the team that made Limbo. This is the only game they've made since Limbo. This has been in development for what, seven years, some yeah, outrageously long years, period yeah. of time. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it seems very similar to it and is, I think. Yes. A lot, of, a lot of the underpinnings of this game, I think, actually share not only a philosophy, but probably it seems like even a code base maybe, uh, or at least a, like a, uh, like under, underlying philosophy mm-hmm. with Limbo. Like the way that... Much like Limbo, this game is a side-scroller that moves a very linear side-scroller where you play as a character, like just as a small boy, and you have to solve kind of physics-based adventure game puzzles almost to get through Mm -hmm. the world. And some logic. And some logic puzzles, yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, quick note, uh, there may be spoilers in this discussion, but if we start talking about the ending of the game or sort of heavy spoiler stuff, we'll, we'll tag announce it. that, yeah. and then we'll we'll give you a time you can skip to. Yep. Um, so, 
Yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah. What so in its similarities to Limbo, you know, again, this like two D side scrolling, puzzly physics thing, platformer. Uh, I I had to get over a fair degree of resistance because of the similar. I was I started it and it starts similarly where it's just there's no context given, there's no premise that is explicitly stated. You just start running to the right and you just. As a video game player, you intuitively understand that's what you do. And like if, if you have played Limbo, you can sort of already start to pick up on, oh, these are going to be the dangerous things. And you can, you know, get through a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the initial challenges, you know, without much trial and error because you already sort of know the score. Uh, but that similarity actually was a huge stumbling point for me. Um, you know, people who have listened to this podcast for a long time maybe have heard me talk about my resistance to kind of a certain kind of sequel and it's it's not like an any kind of ironclad rule and there are cases sometimes there are cases where just i just don't feel that way and sometimes there are cases where i just really do and this was a case where it was really difficult for me to push past that sensation of i've done this before i've done this like i what is the point of me doing this again it's like the exact same formula but then once i did push past that i it, it is so much more and within that very specific formula which it doesn't really ever shed it is like about as additionally ambitious as i think you could want or ask for out out of that formula to a degree that's really impressive and 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 did um did override my my initial reservations i also found i mean maybe an hour into that game i was feeling like i was uh stuck in in place as far as just the game doing new things but i think on the whole it felt like also even within the like puzzle platforming formula that they have from limbo to inside i feel like inside was less grating to me even though i like i agree like even just it's a, it's a more expert thing on all yeah axes the first the first 15 minutes of inside are, is also some of the like most the most best like yeah. of this of this style of game that I've mm-hmm. played in decades. Like what it actually reminds me of more than Limbo, like is um, is Eric Chahi games. Like it totally yeah. rem- it totally yes. reminds me of, yes. of Out of This World slash Another World or of the that publisher's spiritual successor Flashback, mm-hmm. where like Limbo opens with a scenario that I actually really don't like and kind of put me off at the where you're, that giant spider is chasing you, and you right. have to sort of, like, even within the first few screens of Limbo, I feel like you have to backtrack and sort of wander the same space over and over to deal with to deal with obstacles, whereas inside the feeling of, like, the momentum that you get from platforming, they built that into the puzzle design yep. really successfully a lot yep. of times. Like, a lot of the best moments in Inside come from you feeling like your character is, like, on fire and the wheels are coming off. Like, mm-hmm. as, like you're us- even though... I- I don't think there's a lot of fine-tuned platforming to it. Just using the momentum and sort of using the very simple climbing and and uh, lever throwing stuff to uh, to yeah. barely escape death as this incredibly realized like just that whole chase sequence with the guys in the vans and the dogs and stuff at the mm-hmm. beginning. Was, yeah, I, I agree. It was that that's that's what got me over my initial reservation was just the completely fully realized vision of that yep. section of uh, which never lets up and like so my initial reservation to the similarity of the game to limbo gave way to a different reservation that speaks to the quality of the game which was that it is so relentless and so goddamn stressful and creepy and um just completely tense that i actually found it 
really difficult to play. And I don't think this is this is again, this is not a criticism of the game, and this is also not something that I imagine everyone has. For whatever reason, this game just really pushed my nerve buttons, like in a in a to a div- fucking high degree. It was it was. Um, Man, it was. It felt taxing to the, my health. The frustration to, to me that I feel when I can't solve an adventure game puzzle, but I know there's a solution, and the frustration of knowing that I can technically beat a Super Meat Boy level, but I'm incapable of doing it, smashed into each other with the like repeated assault of a scary thing from a survival horror game all combined into the like you have to to solve many of this game's best moments you have to basically have all of those mm-hmm. anxiety inducers on top of each other yeah uh, that's true that's I, a good way of putting it I eventually got into that and it's why I beat the game in one sitting but yeah it like there was again like I my, my graph with that game the middle of it was was also just like me as just a ruined person because all of the things that that cause me anxiety in video games were basically happening on the same like fixed screen at once that's also really impressive yeah um uh i want to ask you guys a question about games like this generally and nick i think this like doesn't require having played this exact one Mm. so the the story of this game is weird right like it's it's an implied story and i think it's highly up to interpretation and if we want we can talk about it in a spoiler section a little later and it may bear answers to the question I'm going to ask, but I want to ask a broader question about games like this without regard to this, without, well, including this one, but not exclusive to this one, which is what the hell is the story these games are telling? And I don't mean like the literal plot event story. I mean, like, what are they depicting? When you have a character in a game like this who goes endlessly from left to right, you know, but it's, but it's intended to, but it's clearly telling these very specific like emotional moments. It's not like Mario where it's overtly and very intentionally, you know, a, basically a fairy tale, right? Like a complete, just surreal fantasy. This is a game where it's like, it's a kid who looks and moves like an actual kid who is like, you know, it's same as in Limbo is like brutally murdered in lots of ways all the time. Um, but the, and, and the, when you fail, it just starts you over and you do it again. And there are lots of games that work like this, and they're not just side-scrolling games. Um, the games I'm talking about are the ones where to do it right, you know, Jake, as you say, you have to, like, execute on this high degree of platforming and timing, but also do things that if you were doing them the first time through would be very unintuitive, right? So there are puzzles in this game where it's like, I died the first time I encountered it because I had no way to know that when I pressed the button, like... I don't know, a 10-ton anvil would fall on my head, and now I have to, I mean, that doesn't happen, but, like, you know, and now many things like it do, though, and I have to, like, you do these four things to prime it so that when I do press the button, it actually creates... So, in the... Are these games telling the story of basically, like, the fucking Mission Impossible guy? Like, Tom Cruise by, like, the fourth Mission Impossible movie where he's just literally Superman? Like, he just knows everything and is perfect and does... I think think these games have to use death as a way that a non-game story would just use, like, injury or other impediment. Like, I think if this was... uh, a really like dark kid story and what you, and uh, you, you had a narrator reading it to someone else. I think every time that kid gets crushed by something, what would probably end up happening is 
something that was important to him was destroyed, or he like got scraped up really bad and had to limp around. But you can't have sure. a character like in but a game like this. You can't have your failure reduce the physical agency of the character, or you'd have to suddenly double the design requirements of the right. game. Where it's like this is the part where the kid optionally has a broken leg, or optionally his arm hurts. You so you you can't put that in the game so they just kill you over and over again. Weirdly, like if I play. Half Life, which is another, it's an unbroken line first person game. Yeah. By the end of it, I don't think of the deaths as part of Gordon Freeman's story, but in Limbo or Inside, maybe because of the sort person? of abstract distance. And mm. I, I don't know, though. Like Tomb Raider, Laura Croft just gets wrecked, the new Tomb Raider games, but I don't read those as, as canon the way that I do in this game. For some reason, like the watching the kid in Limbo or the kid in Inside die over and over again, by the time I get to the end, I feel like. I guided you through all these things, and it was at the cost of all of those things that happened. And even though they're not, like, they don't seem like they're technically inside the brain of that kid, it still feels like they are to me for some reason. When I get to the end, in so, my in my mind, I'm like, well, you, if I had to, like, put my thoughts on it materially, it's that somewhere in the shadow of the back of that kid's brain, all of those other things do exist, even if they're not conscious thoughts in him. I don't think the game is stating that explicitly at all, but that's like mm-hmm. the emotional feeling that I get when I get to the end of it is that, that the journey for this kid is super harrowing, and even if he doesn't entirely understand why, I do. And that's like, so, I, I don't expect other people to have that reason. No, no, that's fair. I think that's a fair thing. Uh, my my takeaway from it was similar to that, but a little bit different, and which was that the only way to communicate how terrifying the actual non-death experiences in this game are to the kid. The only way for me to feel that is to constantly put the kid in such great danger that I'm always afraid that I'm just going to instantly die at any second. Right. Um, because I, because the game tells me that I can. The game's also full of near misses where the only way to win, the to win like to get through an area is to be within an inch of death, which I think also makes that makes the actual deaths not feel too out of control to me but yeah. I want to quickly I want to quickly talk about the aesthetic of this game before oh, yeah, we get into spoilers do. because yeah. I think this game is incredibly beautiful and instills sometimes when this when when inside was in development I was worried that it was going to end up looking simplistic or maybe undercooked or something but this game is one of the nicest looking games that it's I've really played nice. ever um Limbo when it came out I feel like Limbo was super striking uh, for its time and was just, like, mind-blowing in a lot of ways. But I think, um, I guess not but, and Limbo spawned a ton of copies. Like, the look of indie platformer where the foreground is a black silhouette and then there's sort of atmospheric effects in the in the foreground and background just became, like, a subgenre for a while. And I wonder if with this game... Play Dead was sort of trying to say, okay, we're going to make a thing that you just can't copy. We're going to spend seven years making an aesthetic that you just can't rip. Like, I think, like, there's no shortcut to the look of Inside because they just built everything. Like, everything Mm -hmm. in this game is just, like, every new, every time the camera pans to a new shot, it is just, it looks like a beautifully composed concept painting from any other video game, except that then your character runs through it. Like, Mm -hmm. the, um... I also weirdly think um, I weirdly think that Inside owes an aesthetic debt to Valve hmm. in a lot of ways, which uh, I don't. I f- I feel like I'm the guy who compares every single goddamn thing to a Valve game, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but in this case, I think that it is more justified than maybe it has been in the past. Like I think the um, this weirdly seems like an offshoot of Team Fortress Two to me. <laughs> 
Everything okay. seems like an option. Okay, <laughs> let me get into this. The thing, some things that Team Fortress Two brought to the table that I mean have shown up everywhere. Obviously, like sort of the cartoony, like how do we make Pixar style game characters? That's not in this game, but like that's the thing that often gets talked about. Like the soldier ended up basically spawning a zillion mm-hmm. things, but the the way that the way that Team Fortress Two introduced uh, hand painted hand painted textures in three D space hit with really flat lighting with sort of either real or simulated fong shading, like the not super not super shiny look um, with, uh, and like Portal 2 feels like it was actually a jump off of Half-Life 2, or excuse me, Jesus, Portal 2 feels like it was a jump off of Team Fortress 2 as much as it was a jump off of Portal 1. Like Portal 2 has the architecture of the Portal games, but it's very much the next iteration of all the textures are hand-painted, there is like very soft shadowing and then these really high contrast bursts of super saturated sunlight. It was weird playing inside and seeing that aesthetic be like brought to bear on a game where the camera is in a fixed position and you can just use those elements to go nuts. But then also inside has you running through like derelict mid-century farmhouses, desecrated Eastern European cities where you're being chased by uh, anonymous people and drones and weird mid-century hyper-futuristic jet set test chambers. <laughs> like, it feels like what you're actually running... And also, you're ru- you're running through the wilderness, then you have to stop, solve a crazy physics puzzle, uh, and then run into the next room. True. Sometimes you're actually even in a numbered glass glassed-in room true, where yeah. you're manipulating a f- notable physics device. Like, it just feels like... Uh, Inside Kid was actually just running through the metaverse of Valve software as seen <laughs> through the eyes of... Or the extended Half-Life universe, anyway. Yeah. I, is Portal in the extended Half-Life universe? I guess yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely it is. But also TF2 felt like it was yeah. also totally present in, in, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. in some of that stuff. But yeah, as, as seen through the eyes of a super, super European uh, aesthetic indie platforming team. Right. But a lot of the just world rendering techniques felt like they would not be in this game even though it's so divorced I mean, from even, TF2. even mid-century sort of uh, office interiors yeah. as seen in, in uh, Portal 2. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just um, it feels like one could make a really weird Little Big Planet demake of some stuff from inside <laughs> as the most insane kit-bashed Valve mod including a lot of the a lot of the sort of lighting and texturing techniques that Valve dropped on the world with TF2 that feel like that's just it's, it, I don't know. It, it, it's very strange. Um, <laughs> I was talking with our animator, James Benson, about this a lot today, and it, ah. it, it stuck out to me pretty hardcore. Um, That's cool. Anyway, also, this game is just beautiful. I don't know. It is. It's very beautiful. It's, um, yeah. Aesthetic and technically, it's crazy. Going underwater in this game is like, looks n- unlike anything I've ever seen as far as underwater stuff looks, but it's really good. Anyway. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. It's very pretty, and it's totally just a ripoff of everything Valve's ever made. <laughs> <laughs> was that the spoiler, or is yeah? No, I don't know. You want to you want to get into a spoiler? Yeah, we zone? should spoiler. So um, we'll have to figure out uh, how long this is going to go, but we'll fi- we'll plug that back in. So if you want to skip story story spoilers from inside, you should skip to. Oh, actually, yeah. Before we before we tell people this. Inside has been almost exclusively talked about as an Xbox One game, but it's worth pointing out if you haven't oh, been yeah, paying a ton of attention Steam. to it because of that, it is on Steam right now as well. So if you have a computer, you can also play this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, 
So if you don't want to be spoiled because you're off playing it on Steam or your Xbox. Skip to 46 minutes and 30 seconds in this podcast. (laughs) And we should be done by then. Okay, so this game. So Nick, at the end of this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like you did not give people a lot of time to fast forward. <laughs> well, sorry, you could bleep that part if you I want. Was gonna, I was gonna ease into this a little <laughs> you bit. Know, you can bleep that if you want. <laughs> uh, I found the opening half hour and the final half hour of this game to easily be the best parts of this game. I agree. You turn into a weird like limb homunculus. The the pieces of this game, even though like when I think of now, I guess play dead games because there are two. Um, when I think of them, I think of them as games where you're alone, but the parts in Inside that were the most striking and also where the team felt like it was the most alive and doing the most interesting stuff is when there were other human beings who were not weird like zombies or weren't limb homunculus, but were just other living, breathing people in the world who were aware of the presence of you. Mm-hmm. I thought all that stuff was just like, it felt different than I had ever experienced because the, the the moments like the chase sequence at the beginning where it feels like you're you've broken out of whatever and you're being hunted by all those guys in vans and then at the end when you're inside that science facility they 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 feel like flashback or out of this world but I've never had a game like this where I feel like I'm actually inside of a living world full of a bunch of other mm-hmm. autonomous people. And a limb homunculus. Ah, I don't know. I but I mean, also, obviously, so, yeah. Oh, so, so, Nick, what happens in this game, essentially, is you you start off being pursued by, like, yeah, weird masked men. Sequence, yeah, and then yeah. you, over, you know, uh, like an hour, basically, you infiltrate um, some kind of weird testing facility mm-hmm. and increasingly uncover s- some kind of strange basically like zombie mind control technology that is used to allow one person to control the um, sort of uh, like just limb homunculus. Yeah. Like a limb homunculus underclass human beings. Like it's all like miners and construction workers. And I mean, a lot of the puzzles implied even maybe office workers and stuff. Right. A lot of the puzzles you solve, you solve them by like putting on this weird mind control helmet and then like guiding in some cases up to like dozens Mm. of these sort of shambling bodies Mm. um, at your will. Uh, And then, and, and just the deeper you get into this facility, the weird, the more weird experimental shit you uncover, including like water whose gravity points up instead of down and like just all kinds of crazy shit. And then the conclusion of this game is that you find the, you basically get to like the heart of this facility and this like massive tank that, that with this windowed tank that people are just like faces glued to it. And inside there's just this huge writhing mass of just human body parts and gross like Akira shit. And like, yeah. yeah. Weird like limb homunculus. With like big electrodes plugged into it. And presumably this is some kind of like mega controller, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that is like, um, the feeling of, of the, the reveal of that stuff over the end of that game is is amazing because you are in what seem like these sort of you're going through what do feel like a series of portal esque test chambers almost like you to get out of this lab you have to sort of roll through it mm-hmm. including like little bright windowed rooms with guys on computers in the background but uh, the scientists that are sort of filtered throughout this area eventually also start running right faster than you and you don't know if they're running away from something or if they're reacting to your presence 
Uh, but then it, it becomes apparent that they're all going to crowd around this geodesic dome that you can't see into, but they can. Uh, that the feeling of that of the whole world reacting like that it actually felt like almost Spielbergian to me. It as did. That I was, was going to say it felt very yeah. Spielbergian. The most yeah. the most notable moment in that whole thing is when I thought the game ended um, me or was too. about to I know end. What you're talking about you you get to this point where uh, where you get to the dome that they're all looking into and you run out of room to move right anymore because you've hit the edge of the dome and one of the scientists who's looking up against the glass who you're next to just kind of looks at you and is like what's this kid and you're not being pursued anymore because whatever's inside of the glass is so much more shocking to these people than you who presumably them or their employer have been trying to murder the entire game and that moment it was like and then you've got to and you can't see what's in it which was an amazing yeah you can't see what's in it your character can see what's in it but you the player cannot yeah and the kid sort of seems not really interested in it because he's a platforming protagonist and then you've got to do a bunch of platforming garbage uh, that leads you inside that tank you free the weird massive bodies but in the process you end up getting pulled into it Mm. and then the final act of the game again it's it's the weird it's, like yeah. Half Life Two. It's like Half Life uh, Two meets it's like Half Life Two Gravity Gun meets finale Gish. meets Gish <laughs> no, meets man. Akira. Yeah. You just have this like writhing blob thing crashing through. You're essentially just busting out of the facility as crazy flesh blob, um, it, I, you know, busting through walls and like mm. solving simpler versions and you of can puzzles sort of, like, you solved before. Squish yourself up like a weird gelatinous mass to reach higher things and like. This, again, when I was talking about the aesthetic of this game being uh, like, okay, you th- everyone else thought they could copy Limbo. You actually can't copy us. The way that this mass of limbs works is a thing that I've never seen in a game from yeah, a technical it's standpoint. Yeah, An- like, animation-wise. Like, it was already impressive when you're the little kid and like you'll run up against a wall and he'll put his hands up and hold the wall. And sort mm. of like the way that he'll interact with objects seems like any way that you grab onto an object, the character just does it seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Then they're pulling that off with like six pairs of legs and unknown numbers of pairs of hands like there's a part where you're picking up this huge wooden plank like or like a wooden that like, part was insane like a, it's like a railroad tire or something where it's like a foot a foot and a half square by like six eight twelve feet long like a huge thing that one person could never lift but then you press the grab button that would make the kid pick up a regular object and then you as you're holding it you can use the analog stick to sort of change their grip on it and all these hands sort of pass it around between themselves or like oh, you can man. sort of naturally hoist it straight up above you like uh, to reach high objects and poke at stuff. You can swing it around, but it's all just like these just like masses of hands like just passing it around Jesus. to themselves as you're also controlling this gelatinous platforming blob made out of a bunch of limbs. It's just like, okay, no one else is ever going to try this because it seems basically impossible given how like, you know, it's it's already impressive enough to see like Nathan Drake or the Assassin's Creed guy like touch a wall occasionally, mm-hmm. but this was just like eat shit. Everyone else, it was the yeah, weirdest. It's crazy. Weirdest feeling. I only saw one all, one credited animator on this game. Also, I mean, they must have just spent forever yeah. making all this stuff good because I was already incredibly impressed just by the way any animation just seamlessly blends into any other thing you interrupt it with or like start doing. I mean, it just everything feels taken into account. Like when you approach a puzzle from a different direction, even if you're doing the wrong thing, it still has its own like proper version of the animation where your character like adjusts weight slightly differently. And like just every, it feels like they thought of, you know, getting killed. I mean, right from the beginning of the game, there's when you get like murdered, if you were running left versus running right, you know, versus like how far were you through the screen when it happened, like the guy will strangle you a different way. Like it's crazy. It's crazy how just totally exhaustive the animation and and 
and um, interaction stuff is in this game. Yeah. Also, it just ends with the most bonkers, insane, like unpredictable, fucked up thing. So, <laughs> what did you think about the very, very end of this, Nick? At the end of this thing, you turn into a weird, like, limb homunculus. Yeah, you turn into a weird flesh homunculus. But the very end, you you crash out of the facility and like sort of barrel down the a mountainside and then come to rest on, I guess, the seashore and then die. And and then just, I guess, I mean, you just, it seems like it's the, there. The blob and the seems and to just the blob. There's just it just holds on that shot for. Mm the entire credits and then it's over hmm. did you notice that that hill that you rolled down there's a scale model of it that you also crashed yes. through inside of the game yes. earlier so like some and there's a light there's a light beam shining on the point at which you eventually come to rest yeah, so... like there's like a little scale model that is like predicting your the conclusion of the game yeah who the fuck hmm. knows what that means um i so uh, did you see the secret ending to this game yeah i didn't complete it I didn't either. Uh, I, I, didn't, I watched it. I, like, I had would fa- have been impossible. There's these the little point. sort of like, uh, they almost look like sea mines that you find throughout the game. They're just sort of like spiky balls that yeah. have lights coming off of them. And if you find them, the kid just mysteriously pulls a switch out of them and they turn off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I found like five of those, but I guess yeah. there were like 13. Yeah, if you find yeah. all of them, there's a giant one that you can go inside that then reveals a bunch of other content that I think you have to play only on a subsequent playthrough that you can You reveal. can just reload a checkpoint. Okay, yeah, do but it, there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's this interconnected web of stuff that reveals a secret additional ending that takes place way earlier in the game if you already like that is the 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 macro version of what you were describing Chris of like you have to die over and over again to figure out how the game actually works including this weird meta game right. ending mm-hmm. the only way that you can solve it is if you've gotten to the end having completed all these alternative objectives and noted from then found the secret room that contains a secret ending, but then noticed that there's a puzzle in it that requires you to listen to what the music does in a completely different part of the game. Um, and if you do all these things correctly, you then find a secret room which seems to have like the ultimate mind control device in it. And when you mm. unplug it, your player protagonist dies, or he crumbles, or like slumps over. He slumps over the yeah. same way that the sort of like yeah, worker guys, guys yeah. slump over. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess. So I, I think when, I feel yeah. like when you combine that ending with the sort of normal ending of the game, it suggests some kind of... uh, Specific details of this are difficult to know with a game that doesn't, like, explicitly give you very much information. But what seems to suggest to me is either the this, like, big ball thing, this crazy writhing mass... Limb homunculus. ...is controlling anything from everything in the world down to, like or you know most sentient beings in the world down to like just this kid it is somehow like cons- constructing the plan of its own like escape or of the dissolution of this system that is controlling this all or alternatively you are controlling the kid the same way the kid controls the zombies when he puts the the helmet on like y- y- the play- relationship of the player to the character is just one more like reverse inception out from like all the successive um, controlling going on in this game. Cause one of the things you can do in the game as a kid, you can put the helmet on, then you're controlling a zombie, but then you can have one of those zombies put a helmet on and then it in turn is controlling another zombie. So there's like three layers right there. I think the game is suggesting that the player relationship is yet another layer of that. And possibly the big crazy blob thing homunculus is like, it's like orthogonally uh, comes another, in. Yeah. Or either orthogonally comes in or like in the fiction is suggested that it is controlling you, the player, to create all of the circumstances right, yeah. for like the conclusion of the game. 
Um, oh, so the, the blob is would you kindlying you through this thing? Yeah, basically. yeah, maybe. I don't know. That seems like a p- one plausible yeah. interpretation. Um, one of the reasons I th- I think it makes sense to stretch it back that far is because it does sort of it it does not directly, but sort of it does from a sideways way kind of address this question of like what does it mean to die all the time? Because it's it's positioning the entire game construction as like another kind of abstracted control layer of this whole thing it also like one of the reasons i it seems as though possibly the weird body blob thing sorry limb homunculus right is controlling things on a grand scale it would that would suggest why the um scale model exists oh, um, like it was to, it was con- it was planning its escape or something yeah yeah so well, i so so just real this is just a question yeah, for, yeah, yeah. because i'm yeah yeah I play the game yeah. but like is this on xbox is this yeah is this, <laughs> is this a pc game um is the implication that there have been or are other kids that are going through the same I trial okay. i not really you don't see any like dead people of a child's okay. size or anything like that no. but presumably something created that blob that was going through a similar kind of yeah, run here or something you know what well, i mean the like, blob is presumably the 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 ultimate creation of this facility that you're inside but we don't know okay. if that if it somehow created it itself with or yeah, yeah you don't really not, know because un- like unclear i was wondering early on like are all kids what these start as because you're the only kid you see for a while but then later on in the game you see a scientist type character has hit what looks like his or her kid next to them. Oh, that's true. So and my I guess question there also was, is, is another. The, so like, oh sorry, what is the is the is the death thing just kind of implying that like you're just okay now you're test subject number like oh it could very well be that this is know. like by the time you complete the game there's like 300 of these kids who've yeah, gone through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, it also occurs to me that there is, you, Jake, you're right. There is like the scientist kid, but then there's also another really <sighs> important kid in the game, which was the f- fucking most terror-inducing oh, part the of the entire game for me. underwater, I guess, There's, girl? like, this underwater, yes, yeah, sort of, like, um, I, yeah, I guess little girl with, like, huge, long-flowing hair that they rendered beautifully in the water. It sort of swims mm-hmm. around in the water the way hair, long hair does. And uh, th- that that character is was, to me, by far the most, like, tense enemy encounter in the game because she just like suffocates you whenever underwater she sees and you it, she just, it just swims makes me after feel you. like I'm suffocating like mm. she swims 10% faster than faster than you or something <laughs> so you always have to like sort of kite her somewhere weird then dive in and complete the puzzle but yeah. again then get out right before you die yeah. even if you, even if you're in a submersible device she'll swim up to it and then press against the glass until it slowly cracks and then the water goes in and all the lights mm. on the console light up and then you are strangled to death inside Wait, of what? the what in the, if you're in the submarine. Oh, I thought you meant like your video game console. No. Oh, all the lights on your console light up. Uh, <laughs> your Xbox red rings. Uh, <laughs> if you die in the game, your console dies for real. Video games. Spoiler section ends here. Thank you for your patience. I feel like we're getting to the end of this, but uh, yeah. actually, James Benson, who's uh, an animator at Campo Santo, wrote a bunch of stuff in our Slack that I think is kind of interesting. In Uncharted... It feels like they deliberately communicate the death was the result of playing wrong and isn't canon by having it be the lowest fidelity part of the whole production. You just ragdoll over a couple frames and it looks absolutely terrible every time. The implication is that Nathan Drake is so competent and lucky that these fail states really shouldn't exist, but we had to put them in so people think it's a real game. Uh, Potentially, actually, if you, whatever. The, in, Inside treats death brilliantly. First of all, each one gives you new art and animation space to enjoy watching, and they do so much to get across exactly why you don't want to be caught by the monsters and machines. Inside becomes incredibly tense, and you really feel like the boy is vulnerable, and him being able to die is a big part of that. Nathan Drake really isn't meant to ever fail, 
and making him f- uh, fall asleep with grayscale screen wipe feels like it's going completely against the game's core goal, which is to empower you uh, while throwing out snappy jokes. I don't know. I think the... Uh, I don't know how to elaborate on that exactly because I don't... Fuck. Sorry. I think he, the, the fact that he points out that Uncharted, just the, the way the deaths are throwaway and the way that they are absolutely not in this game is is a really good contrasting point to get at why I feel like death in this game has meaning for me and feels like it's a part of the story in a way that maybe it doesn't as much for you or like to the conversation no, we were having earlier. I wasn't saying it does. I was trying to figure out what it... like. I guess in an Uncharted game, it feels like the death death is present and frequent and is totally thrown away, but they have to still keep it in line with the same, you know, the you know, you as Nathan Drake jump off a cliff, then it just does go to black and your ragdolls and it cuts away. Uh, or you have a Tomb Raider game where you jump off a cliff and then you are exquisitely shown being impaled on some spikes and right. then it goes away. Um, and inside, aesthetically, seems like it probably has a similar death budget to something like Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. but it feels like there's more meat inside of those scenes. And I guess you're sort of saying to what end still? Um, yeah, well, not not really to what end. I know what the end is. The again, the 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 end is like the player experience and what you're trying to coax out of the player. Which, as James says in this case, is to like really communicate the the danger and the and the like stakes involved. Um, and in Tomb Raider, I think what they said was they were trying to like communicate the fact that that game was telling the story about her. That that was like a prequel game, right? I mean, it was yeah. about like her sort of rise to. Well, like, there is also a game called Rise of the Tomb Raider, but, uh, you know, but about her... The it wasn't cre- about her rise, Chris. They, it was about her whatever. You know, they were trying to, like, tell a story it about someone It was about how she was the and, Tomb Raider. Right. right. And whether or not, like, people agree that was successful, like, I don't... Uh, I, I didn't play that one, so I don't really have a strong opinion about it. But, like, I, I, know what the, I know what the end is, but that still doesn't really explain, like, what... On a just more, like, prosaic level... What is this actually depicting when you're when you're depicting a story in which someone dying is like depicted with such a high degree of detail and like clearly intended to like appear realistic and like a thing that happened in this story, but it doesn't actually happen in the story. It's just a weird conflict that I that it is odd to me. I don't want to keep talking about it because I've just said that same thing like four okay. times. But yeah, I almost have something else to say, but I can't put it to words well enough so maybe we'll play another game where there's a bunch of weird death stuff that happens in it and we can talk <laughs> about it again all right anyway uh i like this game a lot i hope i i hope my like weird musings didn't obscure that fact because everything this game actually does i think is really really uh, crazily effective so i liked it i thought it was really good me too you guys want to take a break sure video games this episode of vital thumbs is brought to you by nature box NatureBox sends delicious snacks of all kinds, well over a hundred snacks, wow. including, yeah, including vegan, non-GMO options, all kinds of different snack preferences available to you. Uh, they will send your selections to your home or office, free shipping anywhere in the United States. Super easy. They're delicious. Nick, I know you have consumed oh, yeah. many a NatureBox in your time. How recently have you... Have you gotten a nature box? I had it being delivered to um, the office that I was working in, and uh, I need to change that and send it to my house. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I no okay. longer working there. But yeah. You should go to their website again now because they have it, – since you last heard about nature box on this mm. podcast, there it is – Gone b- bananas. Mm. Uh, it's gone. B- I mean, bananas. probably some kind Only. of banana flavored thing also in there. <laughs> I don't know. But there's like all kinds of stuff now. Uh, there's like 
seven different popcorns and like way oh, more man. kinds of dried fruit and like miniature little like self like single serving meals like Whoa. mac and cheese and like a bean and pasta thing and like Wait, wow, cereals crazy. and granola. There's like beef jerky in here now. They have like oh, every man. category and type of snack yeah. now. Yeah. So if you go to naturebox.com slash thumbs, you can get two free snacks with shipping included. So go to naturebox.com slash thumbs. Peruse this ridiculous list of snacks. I was I was blown away as some might say, by the the wealth, the wealth of, of options of all of all types. So again, that's naturebox.com slash thumbs. Get your two free snacks. Get them. Yeah, you get them, Nick Brecken. Video games. Are we back? Oh, I think we are back. Oh. It's time for chicken news and video game news. What? <laughs> okay. So Nick Nick apparently is not heard. I, I don't know what's going on. This is this is maybe not the best news. Oh. This is not the this is the video game news we deserve. I, I mean, think it it just depends whether whether your consideration of what makes good news is like news as entertainment or news as actual reality. Yeah. And if it's the former, this is the best. news. This is the best news. So. Splash Damage, the uh, UK game studio behind uh, Brink, uh, they worked on Gears of War 4. They worked on, I think, did you say uh, one of the Bioshocks? No, no. That's a different studio. That is oh, also, no, sorry. Yeah. No, no, sorry. <laughs> anyway, Brink, Gears of War 4. They also did the Enemy Territory games. Yeah. Um, they made a recent game called Dirty Bomb. Yes. They have been bought. Uh, the, comp- the studio has been bought by Leiyu, a Chinese supplier of chicken meat. Oh no! Which is just this is just like <laughs> oh, God. infinite jest. This is like David Foster Wallace <laughs> yeah, world now. It the craziest really is. thing about this news <laughs> is that I so I was like, well, that's hilarious. What the hell? Turns out they already also own Digital Extremes. Oh man! The Canadian. Oh wow! They're like, just slowly acquiring studio. Yeah. Any any studio that's made like a Quake game, uh, <laughs> a Quake Engine game. Yeah. That's where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Leu said uh, in 2015 when it when it only owned a little bit of this. this I'm quoting this from uh, an article on Polygon. They only own Digital Extremes. They only own p- a portion of Digital Extremes oh. even at this point. They said approximately 80% of our revenue was generated from the poultry business, while 70% of our gross profit was generated from the video game business. So, wow. um, <laughs> you know, chicken chicken will be around forever, but it's not a growth industry. Whereas right. video yeah. games support and diversify on the, yeah. on the move. Uh. <laughs> um, Chris also noticed, I believe that Leiu is the supplier of chicken to KFC. Yeah. Or one of the oh, major wow. suppliers yeah. of chicken to KFC, which is so delicious because KFC. Oh, very delicious. Oh, I mean, I don't find KFC delicious. The biscuits are all right. But what I find delicious <laughs> about it is that KFC is uh, is a yum brand. KFC yeah. is a KFC Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, A&W Root Beer, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, whatever supplier. So Wait, what? Pep- what? KFC, P- Pepsi uh, is either a parent company or strongly affiliated with Yum Brands. Oh, I didn't know that. You'll only ever yeah, find... Is- Please, Chris, we're talking about KFC often shares a restaurant floor space with the purveyor of the Doritos, Cool Ranch, or Nacho Cheese Taco Loco or whatever. That I know, but I didn't know that Pepsi... Oh, that's because that. Doritos is also good buds with Taco Bell, KFC, and Pepsi. Those are, this is like, we're in remember, major remember, right remember where we're living in the brand war yeah, uh, so, uh, era. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> I mean, come let's on. talk about the world where the oh. company that makes Gears of War oh. multiplayer is also now owned by the company that supplies the chicken to Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
Like, what? Sorry, also, Nick how many of these places are fucking yeah. Poke Stops? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake, have you seen? Do you know of the game Pepsi Man? <laughs> uh, no, oh, I mean, I, I'm sure I've come across Pepsi Man okay. but in my so it, in the most recent Games Done Quick uh, speedrun um, uh, convention, somebody ran Pepsi Man, and I really want you to watch this. But also, uh, Pepsi Man is incredible. Pepsi Man was a game; it was a PS1 game made for. Um, there you go. Is this the this is the, this is the only Man? song in the game. It plays <laughs> on loop as the game uh, goes on. It's just Pepsi Man. It's someone saying Pepsi Wait, Man over this? and when over again. Come out? What platform is it? For? PS One. Uh-huh. So it, you know, just janky looking like. And what is it exactly? What do you do? Well, so you play as Pepsi Man, which is just like, you know, this like. <laughs> what Nick? <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Just this like weird uh, Pepsi mascot, and it only came out in Japan. And it's oh my god, it's it's incredible. Oh, that's why he looks like Ultraman. Yeah, he looks like Ultraman. And so the the premise is just absurd. The first stage of four, you play in uh, in San Francisco, and the, the premise is that I guess like I don't know some like plane crash has occurred, and you have to like go deliver Pepsi to the victims of this plane crash. Oh my god! The second stage is in New York. And some weird man walks up to you and says, like, Pepsi Man, the city's on fire. And you have to go help everybody. Do you the put entire out the fire city, it looks Pepsi like a, it looks like a fallout game. Like, there's just flames just shooting out of the <laughs> oh ground. God. And, like, everybody's burning. And you're just, like, delivering Pepsi. And then everybody thanks you. It's bizarre. But the best part about it is that there are these, like, weird FMV sequences with this weird schlubby uh, dude. Like, this is just American dude. And like each in between, I like each how you stage, know he's American because he's schlubby. Well, he's he's a full on schlubby American, and he just like talks into the camera in between stages and just says like weird phrases like Pepsi is life, and then drinks a Pepsi. And at the end of the game, he's just surrounded by like a thousand empty Pepsi cans. Like it's <laughs> what the earth? whole. It's just absolute madness. Um, so yeah, watch have that. Have you completed this watch game? Watch that. No, I haven't. I haven't touched this game. I've, I just watched the speed run of, of oh, this right, guy. Oh right, 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 right. Okay. Uh, yeah, and yeah, also, yeah. a man dressed up as Pepsi Man for that speed run, which was really good. Oh my god! Just a full like lycra suit. Yeah. With just oh man, yeah. It's wow. it's, it's well worth so watching. So Pe- Pepsi Jake Man rebooted. Yeah. Coming soon from Splash Damage. A yeah. U, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that was my property. Hope. That's why I brought it up. Is that I hope available only at at the combination Pepsi Man KFC Taco Bell. Yeah, I think that Yum Brands is no longer a subsidiary of Pepsi Co., but they they're, no. they are still very closely related. Okay. Whatever. They've got the inside channel to now be supplying the video games, which you get the XP from your Pepsi, and also the chicken, which comes with the Pepsi. It's all just like, oh, uh, just, you know, the it's noose is tightening, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Man. What a strange... Can you imagine being an employee of... Of splash damage on the day that that is announced. I mean, I, I mean, guess I, I think you just all go out for KFC at lunch. I mean, I don't like, know what yeah. else can you do. <laughs> Man, yeah, weird world. It is. Um, so before we do reader mail, I guess we're, are we done with this? I guess we're. Probably I guess done with I guess this. that's all. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah, that's it. But before we do reader mail, Nick, I want you to talk about Dark Souls because oh. you've had some like outrageous, I think, experiences since we last recorded this podcast. 
It's been an up screen. and down roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, trying to close this game out. Like the stream, I guess two streams ago, I completely ate shit for like five that straight hours. That was your lowest moment. Ever. That was infuriating. You you, but, you but, essentially but, like battled one boss. Yeah. For hours and hours and hours on end. Yeah. You were you eventually left the stream a broken man it was pretty the boss undefeated gross. it was a disgusting couple of hours <laughs> immediately the next day uh, had just a normal experience playing that game and killed two bosses the last stream i actually ended the game uh yeah you beat the final boss which is not the Whoa. real which is not the real boss oh um it's 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 it, it was hard but it, it, I'm saving that the guy that was kind of terrorizing me unknown, for the for the final. What is the, other the finale? One? Oh, the nameless king. Nameless king. Oh, that's yeah. the one that you. That's that, the one that, that I was just uh, railing against. No, I'm saving him. So that's the grudge match. Oh yeah, that's the full on like <laughs> yeah. fight night. That's that's whenever we can organize a, yeah. a, a stream. I'll save that guy. All right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, ugh. Yeah, if you <laughs> have not been, if you haven't been keeping up on this, you owe it to you, and you have an interest in Dark Souls. Or Nick Brecken, you owe it to yourself to uh, to watch these these videos on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash idle videos, or subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs to watch these as they happen because they're out. While like, I was there's while some I was amazing watching shit in these, like all right, I won't. including like a heart rate meter that Nick cooked up. Like <laughs> there did, is, I did buy a vitality sensor. <laughs> are way crazier and more entertaining than they may sound by just saying Nick fought a boss. Like they're very good. It's very, very good. Yeah. I guess I won't, I won't spoil that moment. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll highlight that moment. Uh, that, that, yeah. Anyway. Also a yodeling pickle that I said. That yodeling pickle. God damn that pickle. <laughs> I that, bought, that, I that, that yodel mic. is now stuck in my head. <laughs> Like that, and I've got every like up and down phrase just perfectly rendered in my <laughs> brain it. all the time. Yodel lay hee hee, yodel lay hoo hoo, yodel lay hee 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 hoo, yodel lay hee hoo. It's stuck in my head for days. Thanks, Chris. What a great gift. So when I bought when I bought Nick the some new like microphone equipment for the stream, um, so that he and and his girlfriend Janelle could like each have a lav mic. Um, I included a special gift. Mm-hmm. Didn't you just search for bad gift? I searched for bad gift on Amazon.com. You found it. <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> you found the that worst. That was like, yeah. The worst one. Good. Oh, I want you guys to know that um, even though the, this new Hitman game is new and I'm like a different person and I'm like older and wiser, um, I'm still absolutely, absolutely, utterly helpless shit at Hitman games. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's been all that I've discovered. Oh, good. I spent, um, I died like a million times in the tutorial of the new Hitman when, when just being like a police officer or uh, a ship worker guy, which are the disguises that you're supposed to, you know, to get into when you're yeah. playing that. Mm. And then I said, okay, fuck this. I'm going to set off the car alarm on that rich cell phone guy's car and lure him into the back alley and become him. Which I did after like fifteen attempts. Oh man! Um, by like throwing a fire extinguisher at uh, at his car window enough times that he sort of got mad enough that he tried to get in a fight with me <laughs> out of the view of the cops. Like right. by me sort of like, she, you know, he'd be like, "Who's yeah. back there? You!" Uh, so I finally did it, and I was that guy, and it was the most amazing hitman experience uh, that I've had ever because like I just walked up the front door and like, "Oh, hi there, drug lord guy. We've been waiting for you." It's like, oh, everyone's <laughs> buying it, and then after, since I'd been spending like an hour 
as cops and deck workers, I got up to where my target was, and then I'm like, oh, I know how to get to you quickly, and I ducked into an engine compartment, and then a mechanic and a cop and a dock worker were like, you're not one of us, and then I was caught and killed. <laughs> so um, one day I will complete a Hitman mission, yeah. but um, mm. also that game's really good. You guys were correct. Yeah. yeah even though so. I'm shit at it, uh, uh, even that stupid tutorial mission is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. Yep. Um, good game. Also, I like that that drug lord guy dresses like the guy who Indiana Jones blows up in the opening of Last Crusade. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we also streamed uh, Wizard Jam 2016 Part 2. That video is not on YouTube at this point because of technical reasons. We had to figure out how to get that video up in a way that is easy to watch. Um, But it was a really fun stream. You can uh, find it on Twitch. It still. is on Twitch, it's yeah. On it's, Twitch. it's on Twitch right now. There's a highlight of it. Yeah. Um, there's just a portion with, like, w- weird... One of the games created, like, weird audio that was very unpleasant on the stream side. It was sounded fine to us, but for whatever reason... like It was glitching just, out it just sounded to really our audio crazy, hardware, yeah. Yeah, on the stream. And so that's still there on Twitch. So we're trying to, fig- we're trying to like, download the video and clip that part out and upload it to YouTube so that... Um, I don't know. There are other... Challenges. Computers involved are involved. Reasons that w- unpredictable. But anyway, uh, that was a really, really fun stream. Uh, it was like m- more amazing Wizard Jam games were played. So that's you can you can watch that highlight at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. We're also we uh, we unlocked the Sean and Danielle oh, yeah. um, Twitch emotes. Those are great. And we are only, I think, like 30 subscriptions away from unlocking even more. We have a Steve emote. Including the elusive Steve Gainer. Yeah, and some more secret emotes that will remain um, that will remain surprises once unlocked. So. I'm thinking of becoming a Far Cry 2 speedrunner. Oh yeah, that's a challenge Nick has set for <laughs> yeah. himself. That's so such we'll, a that is such we'll see how a far that folly. goes. That is we'll see how a, far that goes. A stupid decision that you're making. I think it might be It might be great. one of the greatest decisions ever made. Alright. I mean I support it. Like I'm heavily in favor of it. No, but I, first of all, there's no competition right now. There is but literally there, but no competition. As soon as you do it, as soon as you set a time, right. there will be competition, and then you'll become obsessed with not letting them take your your. your I think trophy. Nick's Nick's Far Cry 2 speedrunning career would be best if at least occasionally accompanied by acoustic guitar. Oh yeah, <laughs> clearly. Okay, so I guess actually here's the counterpoint to the clearly. thing I just said, which is that even if you post a world record and then have it immediately taken away from you, you would always have the legacy of having created the Far Cry 2 speedrun community. That's true. You would be its forefather. Also, also to uh, qualify for a Games Done Quick uh, event, you don't necessarily have to be the world runner or the uh, world record holder. You, you, you just have to be good at it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think... Oh, so your goal is to oh, actually like listen. I'm climbing the rocky stairs. All right, no, in, this is like training. It's going to be like day one, Far Cry 2... <laughs> The road to GDQ. Oh my, God. my 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 hope is that you know, I'm there. Somebody's on the couch. We're raising money for charity <laughs> Where did and like place? F- introducing people to the best game ever. Chris is there with um, his guitar. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. This. Yeah. This is this is this is the this is the end goal. Uh, those take place. I think. Um, I mean, the one the one in January takes place in um, Dull- uh, like around Dulles uh, mm-hmm. Airport in um, Virginia. Okay. And then the summer one, I think, is in Minneapolis, I believe, or you know, one of those Midwestern kind of zones. Nice. Yeah, games, well, I support games. you in your goal. Good. Yeah. I want to. I want to do it. I probably won't do it. <laughs> it might happen. 
you can at least start an attempt, and we'll probably be entertaining. I think it'd be funny to, yeah, just to try it. Just yeah. to, I'm curious. You have to figure I'm out curious what the short like because that's a long fucking game. Like a speed run of well, that game is not. So gonna the be interesting short. thing about these, the way that these go, is that you know they start out long. You know the runs are whatever, yeah. just kind of running through the actual game. But then as the you know community gets built, you find more like exploits that allow you to skip mm-hmm. tons of content. My hope is to shave it down to something that's reasonable. I think right now the only person who's ever done it did it in three hours, which is pretty long. Mm-hmm. So if I can't if I can't get lower than that, it's going to be gross. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> that'll be untenable probably right, right. just for my life. And but if for it, if like it, a speedrun game, yeah. Well, the, you know, there are some that are pretty long, but okay. but but if you can get, if you can get Far Cry Two down to like if I can get down to like 40, 50 minutes, yeah, oh, that that's the, if, you, if you could even get it down to an hour a map, you'd be yeah y- yeah yeah. Um, anyway, games discussed. Far Cry <laughs> 2, and now Reader Mail. Yes. Um, all right. So anyway, stay stay up on twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. We'll also obviously announce on this podcast. Oh, also, speaking of this, we have a new email newsletter. We, we sent out our first one a few days ago. If you go to idlethumbs.net, uh, any page on idlethumbs.net, at the bottom in the footer, there's a little subscription box um we sent out when we sent out the first one we just announced uh some things like the cold bloom is back in stock the uh cold bloom like beer koozie foam can insulator with jeff goldblum's face on it that we for some reason designed and sell um we also restocked our original t-shirt the nice white logo on navy blue t-shirt um is back in our store and that was in the email newsletter and just some other stuff about our other podcasts and our streams and everything it's just I'm, you know, uh, we never really kept up with the blog and I think the, didn't really seem like a good format for us. And I think the, uh, just occasional email newsletter is a much better way for us to maintain non-podcast communication. So yeah, go to any, any page on our site and you can sign up for that if you desire. All right. Which you do. Which you obviously do. So let's do some reader mail. Um, Tom Kidd says. I think you need to have Jake do a limited series where he just talks about what it was like to run a Mac back in the days before OS X and Intel. I'm a recent convert to Mac, and it's absolutely fascinating to me to listen to what it was like to work with Macs back when they had a circling-the-drain market share and a not very straightforward path to game development and porting. All I remember is seeing the occasional kid in high school, usually working for the school newspaper, playing versions of Wolfenstein 3D that didn't quite look right, and telling me how they didn't need Doom because they had this thing called Marathon. We'd never heard of it. I guess there were gaming hipsters back then, too. Also, I remember finagling a port of Quake to run in a window on this guy's Mac next door in my college dorm. It ran in a window, which blew my mind, as at that point, Quake was a DOS-only game that didn't run worth a shit in a Windows 3.1 window. Good times. Tom. It is true that the Mac version of Wolfenstein 3D was superior because it ran at 640 by 480. Is that Mm. true? Yes. Oh, man. Interesting. It is also true that the Mac versions of everything else are worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember that part. All right, Daniel Simpson says, Dearest Thumbs... Oh, actually, one thing real quick. Oh, sure. Lee Alexander did a series of, uh, oh, of yeah. Let's Plays called <clears throat> Lo-Fi Let's Plays, oh, including yeah. like emulating a bunch of old-ass Mac games and stuff. So th- check out those, and you could probably find some good old Mac gaming stuff. Um, I'm also not that knowledgeable about old Mac stuff. I was a kid using compu- those computers back then, so I don't know if I would be the best person to do that. But... Um, but because you're you, you've like accrued <laughs> far more retroactive information about that than you had at the time. That's that's true. Um, all right. Daniel Simpson writes, Dearest Thumbs, I'm an employee of Indeed.com whose commercial you played during last week's show, episode 270. I was previously unaware that we are marketing to robots. However, after some thought, I believe it makes sense. 
Like most websites, a significant portion of Indeed's traffic comes from bots. In fact, I have personally done work on search engine optimization, a task based on upon increasing the site's accessibility for our robotic brethren. It would be foolish to ignore such a large demographic, and I'm personally excited that we have chosen to embrace this important and untapped market. I hope I've provided some valuable insight for you. I'd also like to thank you for your assertion that your robot readers are your favorite readers. Though certainly not a robot myself, I'm sure they appreciate the inclusion. Yours I am organically, a real person. Daniel. Crazy. I don't remember which thing Indeed was. That was that weird like ad we played through my phone. On the oh, podcast. yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Now I've got it. Yeah. Weird. All right. Saul Alexander Witten writes in with a Warhammer update for Chris. Hi, guys. I've been meaning to write this since Chris admitted to being a lapsed Warhammer player and speculated <laughs> that, quote, the game has probably changed a bit by now, but probably not that much, unquote. How wrong you are, Chris. How wrong you are. I am also a lapsed Warhammerer, but due to nostalgia and a friend who was still playing until recently, I've been keeping up with the latest developments. The main development being Warhammer, the game of fantasy battles, no longer exists. The eighth, though, that, that is like the miniatures game, like the big game you play on a table really? with like armies. Well, that's what he says. He continues, the 8th edition was put out of its misery via an end time campaign event last year and has since been replaced by a new game, Warhammer Age of Sigmar. The same thing by a new name? Kind of, but not really. Here are some differences. One, the standard fantasy world of the original game has been literally destroyed. The setting now consists of a bunch of free-floating realms based around elements and mystical forces and stuff. It has a totally different flavor. Two, presumably for copyright purposes, all the generic fantasy races have been renamed. For now, for example, orcs are now called Oryks, and elves are called Elves. (laughs) They're called Elves. They're called Elves. (laughs) Three. The greatly simplified core rulebook is four pages long and free online. As like, I need to put it an aside in here. The rulebooks for these games were like dozens yeah. of pages long, and then armies had their own like rule. I mean, it, there were shitloads of rules in these games. So anyway, four pages. When he when I read this email, that makes no sense to me, and he explains why, and it's fucking crazy. The most notable rules change is that there are no longer any army lists or point values for units. Players can field literally any combination of models that they own, and there's nothing saying armies have to be evenly matched. It could just be one model fighting 200. This is just the way that I played these kinds of games as a kid. Me too. The first time I ever played Warhammer, the reason I I played Warhammer at all, yeah, is because a friend of mine, Kenny Duncan, um, who got, I, I guess his mom got him a Warhammer starter set when we were in third grade, and it had two armies, and it had the rule book and everything, which we tried to read, but being like idiot kids, we didn't really know what we were doing. So we basically, it was a combination of like some rules and some just like playing with little army guys. And that's what we that's what we did. And then eventually we learned how to play it for real. But it, like that was our, that's yeah. what this game is for real now, apparently. Anyway, four, the unit stats and rules come in free documents called War Scrolls. War Scrolls were released for existing models, but they include jokey novelty rules such as you can reroll all failed hit rolls for this unit if before rolling the dice you hold aloft a grail or goblet and shout for the lady in a heroic <laughs> voice. So this game, this is... What is going this on? Is, with this, they're just cum. making this game the thing that everyone would like jokingly assume oh, yeah. about players of this, this game. Just magic missile. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just cr- fully recreated Five. A, recite your favorite meme. <laughs> <laughs> Five. They kind of managed to put space marines in it. And then he links to a JPEG of like a thing called Stormcast Eternals Paladins. That's two plurals, <laughs> by the way, in the same proper noun. And they're just like fantasy versions of Space yeah. Marines with huge armor. 
Anyway, he says, not surprisingly, the existing Warhammer fan base lost their collective mind, accusing Games Workshop of everything short of child murder. Many people bailed on the game forever and are now playing similar or clone games from competitors. Presumably some people got over it. The presumed reason for the change is that the fantasy game had dwindled in popularity when compared to Warhammer 40K, which is the futuristic version, and a desire on the part of Games Workshop to focus on selling miniatures over games. I'm not sure it was thought through as well as it might have been, but the jury is out on whether the change has been a success. Games Workshop has announced they'll be putting point values and maybe army lists back into the game for use in competitive play, but that seemed to only set out a fresh round of internet bitching. Whatever the current version of Warhammer, I certainly can't afford the prices they actually charge for the miniatures these days, so it's nice that I can play an enjoyable version of the old game on my computer for the price of a small Age of Sigmar unit. Some packs of five figures retail for $58. I I don't believe that Total Warhammer would ever have gotten a release if Fantasy Battles was still current for fear of cannibalizing sales, so all in all, I think I've come out on top. Um, Man, Total War Warhammer... Cheers, Saul. Playing that game as just a window into what Warhammer is is strange and also at times really frustrating as somebody who just wants to play a game because the orcs, like the units, like, you know, when you're trying to, like, very quickly do things in a Total War game, you kind of have to just have a muscle memory or just a very, like, quick, like, reference, like, oh, I need to make, like, ten of these things. All the orc units are called, like, biguns. Oh, yeah, And, like, bigger (laughs) uns and just, like, just stupid shit. So it's, like, impossible to play. (laughs) It's just nonsense. Yeah. Ugh. I got Janelle into Rome, too, so we moved on to a different Total War. (laughs) Tim Smith writes, Hey, guys, I thought Jake would be happy to know that Azure Cool Blob Storage is now available in the cloud. (laughs) 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 He then pasted an image which says... It has a little the little eye in a circle for like information, and it says one new update. The following updates are now available: general availability colon Azure Cool Blob Storage in new regions. If you search for the 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 I after I saw so anyway that's that's an email from Tim. After I saw this email, I did a search on the internet for Azure Azure Cool Blob Storage. I think I just searched for Azure Cool Blob. And it's fucking bonkers. Like the page of results that just comes up on Google when you search for Azure Cool Blob presents a world in which Azure Cool Blob is a phrase that anybody knows or and that is not insane and stupid and hilarious sounding because you just find like shitloads of posts from tons of different sites with headlines that are just Azure Cool Storage for blobs. Pricing, cloud storage for Azure blobs. Introducing Azure Cool Blob Storage. Microsoft launches Cool Blob Azure Storage at one cent per gigabyte monthly. Microsoft unveils even cheaper Azure Cool Blob Storage option. Like there's an entire sub-industry of like commentators who know what this is and talk about it in a way that is like sublime in its mundanity. Weird. And it's called Azure Cool Blob Storage. Just, you know, I work in the Cool Blob sector. (laughs) <laughs> I cover I cover the cool blob. <laughs> Azure Store Simple adopting cool blob, cool blob storage accounts. Uh, uh. AWS S3 infrequent access versus Azure Cool Blob storage comparison. What a cool. Oh man, cool. Azure Cool Blob storage, cool versus hot setup and migration. So there's hot, hot blob. blob. <laughs> <laughs> hot blob. Oh. Hot blob. Azure hot blob. Oh. <laughs> Jeff Cool Blob. <laughs> uh, 
Good. Well, I, I didn't know <clears throat> if I was happy about that or not, but now I'm very happy about it. Well, good. Now that I'm... That's all this reader wanted for you. Okay, now that I'm in, in the cool blob, no. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's one final short email to wrap it up. Devin Raposo says, Hey, Thumbs, on this week's episode, Jake was wondering about how it is that kids are able to get money from their parents' credit card into the CSGO economy in order to buy weapon skins, pay for gambling sites, etc. I was curious about this, too, until I remembered hearing another story about how kids these days are find ways to spend their parents' money on video games. Today, it's not uncommon for kids to play one game and one game only and spend any available money, which in a different day might have gone to, to buying uh, different video games, putting all that money into one game. Case in point, Minecraft. I remember hearing on Giant Bombcast about how kids are spending their money, parents' money in order to gain access to specific Minecraft servers for a certain period of time. I would bet that children are getting their parents' money, uh, access to their parents' money for video game gambling sites by lying about exactly where that money is going and parents often being completely oblivious as just letting it happen. It's a shame that these exploitative practices are happening. Hopefully appropriate punishment is dealt to those responsible. Devin from Cape Coral, Florida. He's referring, of course, to punishing the parents for being bad. (laughs) For being crappy. (laughs) For being bad. He's, of course, referring to punishing Valve for standing by well, the morals of our children are eroded by gambling. Oh, you know what? Oh. Okay, on that, I'm actually going to read one more email, sorry, about specifically about Valve uh, in re- with respect to that, uh, that To thing. gambling? Yeah, so Duke BG writes, It's not yeah. a hugely important thing, but I wanted to shed some light on things about Valve in regard to the CSGO lotto scandal. The blocking message that was talked about both appeared and disappeared by the hands of community moderators, not Valve themselves. Ah. Valve never showed their stance on the matter, as far as I can tell. The important thing to understand about how Valve operates is that if some task scales, they offload it onto the community. TF2 maps, there are a few map makers in Valve, but a lot of map makers in the community. A lot of new maps, probably most, that are added to the game are polished community maps. TF2 cosmetics, same thing. Most of the hats that are added with big updates are created by the community. Even the promo items are created by the community these days. Valve just announced a contest about creating Batman-themed or Lara Croft-themed items, and voila. The winner items in that contest are the promo items added for Batman Arkham Knight and Lara Croft in the Temple of Osiris. Needless to say, most of the Dota 2 cosmetic items and CSGO skins are from the Steam Workshop created by the community. Adding new games to Steam was a scaling task to Valve. Which games are worth it and which are not? There are more of them than Valve can handle, so Greenlight is offloading answering that question to the community. They only have to review the resulting statistics. Most of the translation of the Steam client and to some degree Valve games to other languages is made by Community Translator. I know this by personal experience. Even though item creators in Steam Workshop get a cut when their stuff is added to the games and sold to players, often the community helpers are a bunch of happy, enthusiastic people that eagerly do what Valve needs without requiring to get paid. Um, On that note, paying. Yes, at one point Valve tried to offload that to the community as well. There are talent hired by Valve as hosts and casters for the International Dota 2 Tournament. In 2014, Valve introduced autographed Dota 2 treasures. These are the same as usual treasures, that is, chests with cosmetic items you buy for about 250 from Valve, but they come with an autograph of a certain pro player or a well-known caster or event host, and that person gets a cut of the proceeds of their chest sales. Valve initially wanted for that to be the only payment this talent gets, i.e. offloading paying for the talent to the community. Of course, not having a flat rate, but depending on random happenstance of how many players will buy their signed chests was awful for the talent, so they, were, they complained, and Valve conceded, adding the rule that talent get no less than the set flat rate. They could still get more if the chests sold well. 
Now, you probably already understand that when it comes to mentioning a community moderator and blocking phishing websites, it's not just a community moderator. The whole task is done by the community moderators. Valve doesn't need to do meetings or anything. So we on last week's po- uh, podcast, we talked about these like hypothetical meetings at Valve and this person in the email is saying there was not one. There is or if not. there was, it never manifested itself on the other side of the wall. Right. The black box with the strange red spigot on it stayed closed. Mm-hmm. So he continues, the central guy for the CSGO stuff goes by the name Killa Instinct on Reddit. He used to do this alone and respond to PMs of other people sending him suspicious links, but these days he has even more other community moderators helping him. They're not affiliated with Valve, but they have access to the tools to blacklist a URL on Steam. Now, more about what kind of blocking message this is. The blacklist is generally only used for malicious links and blocks links everywhere through Steam and therefore is used with extreme caution. Malicious means phishing, malware, scam websites, spam sites, etc. Blacklisting shows a huge and scary message, but it's not a complete block. There's still a link at the bottom of the page that allows a user to go through and ignore the warning. Similarly, a huge red box is used while redirecting to the website when it uses Steam's OpenID login system to log into other sites with Steam. So that's where people have seen the scary warning when CSGO Lotto was blacklisted. A lot of CSGO gambling sites like CSGO Jackpot, CSGO Shuffle, CSGO Double got into the blacklist because they had referral programs, a program where the user would get some benefit by people joining the website through the personalized link. These programs lead thousands of people posting their referral URLs everywhere, absolutely everywhere, to an obnoxious extent, and causing the websites to be blocked for spam. Once this story was unfolding, a big threat on Reddit, Kill Instinct re- reviewed what was going on at CSGO Lotto, concluded there was no referral program there, that it was erroneously added to the blacklist, and unbanned it. People asked about some other of these sites, and he unbanned some of them as well. They were wrongfully banned or have removed their referral program. He did note that this is all just about blocking the malicious URLs. He is not commenting if the website, such as CSGO Lotto, is bad or morally wrong, just saying that he hasn't seen evidence that it's malicious in a way that it should be before they add something to the global filter. And that's it. Just a guy on Reddit, no Valve involvement or meetings discussing a hat economy. By the way, that URL never get blocked. Never got blocked for a second time. Dave BG. All right. That's bonkers. Yes. And com- completely logical. Yeah, it makes yep. sense now. In yeah. retrospect. Yeah. So thank you for that huge correction. Yeah. And thank you for joining us on Idle Thumbs. Man, that was a big episode. It feels like a big episode. It's anyway. crazy that everyone and no one and also one guy were responsible at the same time <laughs> for that happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, this was a podcast that you listened to. Yep. Uh, we can be found on the internet at idlethumbs.net, on Twitter at idlethumbs, on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. As I said, we have a new newsletter that will hopefully keep you abreast of all the stuff going on with this podcast and with our network. You can sign up on any page at idlethumbs.net. Uh, we stream stuff pretty frequently now at twitch.tv slash idlethumbs. You can subscribe, uh, if you like, to that channel for a monthly fee that will grant you access to... Um, our hilarious, amazing little chat emotes created by John Christensen, big JKO on the Idle Forums. Um, and uh, those, pretty much all those videos end up on YouTube at youtube.com slash idlevideos. So that's about it. If you like this podcast, tell a friend. Review us on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>